0: Our last generation of computers, we built all these computers, we did testing, we've got data, we've got all this data sitting there in these big pools of it. And this is where AI comes in, and or should come in. It's like, how do we then compute that data to make sense of that data and learn from that data in ways that we can actually solve problems at scale and at speed?
1: The New Zealand Tech Podcast Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, Paul Spain here and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. A big thanks to our show partners for their support of the New Zealand Tech Podcast and of New Zealand's technology and innovation ecosystems. So thank you to Gorilla Technology, Two Degrees, HP, Spark, Vodafone, Cyclone and Aruba. Great today to have... Shona Grundy joining the show. How are you, Shona?
0: I'm good, thanks, Paul. How
1: are you? Great. It's been ages <laughs> since we caught up, so a privilege to be able to, you know, sit down, catch up and chat about what's been happening in the in the world of tech. But maybe we can start with a little intro about where you fit into this big, wide world of, of tech these days.
0: Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, so I actually come from a whole line of industries. I started off in the music industry in the UK six years ago into film and television when I returned. Uh, MP3s were taking over the world and I tried to get back into music Um, when I returned to New Zealand and everybody was losing their jobs and losing their minds over technology rolling in. So I got into film and television, which was booming with Peter Jackson and Richard Taylor's work. So always grateful to what they've um, done for our industry. Was in that for a while, got into animation, really enjoyed animation and building games, and it was just sort of slowly evolving where...
1: That was what you were doing last time we talked it about It
0: was, that. Yeah, yeah, trigger happy. So yeah. it actually evolved into my first ever technology company. I was just kind of on this rope wheel of creating content and trying to release it and pitching in TV shows and we were writing children's books and all sorts of things to try and build our IP. And my brother, who was um, my co-founder of the animation company, he was an animator at the time, uh, he just, he taught himself how to C++, I think. It was crazy. And he said, oh, look at this iPad. I think it was 2010. Look at this iPad. How cool is this? And I think I can allow anyone to be able to create their own cartoons. And at the time when we were trying to train up people, it was three years to be a really bad entry-level animator. And he showed me within 30 seconds how anyone can make their own cartoon and I was just kind of sick of the rat wheel. Uh, I didn't really know technology, but this was in 2010 and I just looked at him and I said, we're doing that or nothing, I'm over it. And that's how I got into technology. <laughs> yeah, interview. so so I um, yeah started uh, building this company and I would attend job interviews and um, There'll be engineers sitting there and they'll just be talking. And honestly, it just was like, I have no idea what you're saying, until one day it just kind of started landing in and um yeah, built this really amazing technology company. Uh we won high-tech awards, innovation awards, raised rounds of funds, did licensing deals with like um, big Hollywood studios. Um it was incredible. We were told we could not do it, and uh, The more people told us we couldn't, the more we just came up with ideas to get around the, you cannot. And then, uh, yeah, so since then, I've um, I've gone and worked uh, machine learning, um, Soul Machines, Movio, Datacom, uh, and I'm currently the chief operating officer at a biotechnology company called Exacool. And I'm a high tech awards judge as well. Yeah. Yeah, A few things. That's fantastic, that's
1: great. Well, let's jump in. I want to. We'll start with uh, some of the things that have been going on in the in the tech world, and then I'm really keen to you know hear a bit more yeah. about the things that that you're doing at the moment and the challenges that you're solving and so on. So, yeah. um, but first up, we've had news about Spotify and launching a new podcasting feature, but launching it in New Zealand. So it was something that was uh, tweeted by Spotify's NZ Twitter handle. Uh, I haven't seen anything to say that it's it's going any further than NZ yet, but they've put up quite a you know a fancy video. yeah uh, and it's kind of really oh, this looks like a very slick and easy way to be able to produce your own, you know capture your own conversations and and in a way I think what was the example you used before we started the show
0: like Canva right so anything that is trying to like take down the barriers between technology and the general consumer on things that we know they already like to do is a no-brainer right you just like how do we get technology to engage with the consumer more deeply on things that they care about so I actually just saw this because of what you sent through to me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know, I'm already, people are already blogging. Uh, and so imagine turning that blog into a podcast because we know people love to consume podcasts. Um, that's why we're here today. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, look, look what Canva did, you know, is PowerPoints and um, Photoshop, Photoshop stuff. and boom, Canva. Now, if you haven't used can Canva... That, it's a cool, it's a cool piece of kit. Canva is, yeah. yeah. And yeah.
1: there's a, obviously it's, it's sparked a whole lot of, you know, variations and others that have sort of come into into that that space. But I mean, Canva in itself, it's yeah, a little bit of a pity. It's an Australian company. Cause they, <laughs> they've done. I know, you know wonderful New
0: Zealanders working for them too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they've done cr- incredible, you know, incredibly, yeah, incredibly awesome. well. Mm. Uh, and so yeah, it's great, great to see these things. I, I am always. Very curious when New Zealand sort of gets to test out technology ahead of, you know, other parts of the world. I think that's, you know, can be um, can be pretty handy that we get picked on in, in that way. Uh, and yeah, we're uh, perfect,
0: you know. aren't we? <laughs> we're, we're the perfect test market.
1: There, there's a lot to like about, uh, well, picking New Zealand, our size and scale and all, all sorts of things from an adoption perspective. Mm. So it's a it's a good way to go.
0: Yeah, I love getting the new tech first. Yeah, we always get the um, new emoticons first too. Hooray! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that was interesting. And you know, yeah, basically, uh, you know, you can record content through your Spotify app. I haven't actually had a um, had a look and had a had a play with it as yet. I'm not sure I actually saw the option when I had a look on Spotify the other day, so I'll have to have to have a look. Mm. The other one, and you talked about blogging and you know turning that into podcasts, and there's now a, a bit of a partnership going on with uh, between uh, Automatic, who do WordPress, and I think that's with Spotify as well, where um, basically you can you know convert blog posts into into podcasts and I think where they're you know AI well this
0: makes perfect sense then AI doesn't it
1: red and and, uh, and so on so there's uh, constant uh, change and in innovation right mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it keeps happening now I'm not not sure which of these things ends up sort of becoming becoming the big hit because sometimes we do stuff because it can be done or it looks like a good idea but of course not all of it actually gains enough traction to to, you know have a permanent place and
0: yeah. I think the it's got to solve a problem right like what is the actual problem we're solving because we've got so much to choose from in terms mm. of where do we spend our time yep therefore the problem solvers really win
1: and how well you solve the, the problem mm-hmm. plays out of it doesn't it so uh, all right now the other one from so from a, a local perspective that we we had was uh, seemed to be quite a bit of um, coverage of this uh, new foundation that has has been uh, started up, uh, the non-fungible labs uh, folks. I've got to say, um, Brooke Howard Smith and you know, the whole team, they are so incredibly well uh, networked and uh, yeah, they do, they're doing some really, really um, really interesting stuff on their NFT front, um, but the people that they they connect in and, and collaborate with, uh, I think is uh, yeah is pretty mind blowing. And so uh, this announcement that I you know sort of whole lot of media were picking up on uh, last week was their, their launch of what they're calling the Futureverse uh, Foundation. They're, you know, I guess, funding it off off the back of their uh, their NFTs, and they've they've donated a whole lot to be able to uh, to be able to uh, fund it. But um, they were, I guess, getting this attention because of the involvement of um, Alexandra Grant and her partner Keanu Reeves, who is, is a rather well known. Uh, character, uh, certain, certainly for those of, of my generation. We were t- talking about it with our, our team uh, the other day, and I realised probably a lot of people in the room who may not know who Carnell Reeves is if you're oh, younger. That's true. Because <laughs> we haven't, ag- you know, he yeah. hasn't been in in too many movies in the last few years, but 20, 20 years ago with The Matrix and Point Break and however many other movies. uh, He was uh, really, really well known.
0: What I really like about Keanu getting involved is uh, we also know you hear stories about what an amazing human being he is, right? Mm. He's a huge philanthropist. He gives back. He doesn't want any attention or acclaim for it. He does it because he cares and I think he's a wonderful human being. And so for him to get involved in this, I absolutely know because from my music industry days and then the work I was doing with Soul Machines and working with celebrities there, is that people know, they get tapped on the shoulder all day, every day, to endorse things. Mm, and mm, so for him to get involved in this, you know that he's done his due diligence. You know that it has value for him beyond himself. He, has, he always looks for um, existential things to Mm. contribute towards the world. And uh, so, so that was a huge endorsement factor for me, but I think people are really confused about what NFTs are. And this is, I think it's a little bit frustrating, but it's also no surprise why um, Keanu's ended up getting involved. You know, he's an artist and, um, NFTs are a really, will play a really important part in how we, uh, share data. It's, it's a huge shift um, change, and, and if people don't... It, currently, I think they're just like, oh, it's a strange little thing where people put up a piece of artwork and they sell it for $500 online, and then what do you do with it? And it's like, no, that's not what that is. This is a use case of NFTs that we're currently seeing, and we're at the very start of, a, of its evolution. And I kind of liken it to when I was in the music industry And, um, you know, because NFTs, if you want to know what NFTs are, and I think most people do want to know what they are, uh, they are a new file format with smart contracts. It's that simple. It's not a piece of artwork that people are selling. That's a use case, so let's not get that confused. Uh, So I liken it to when MP3s came along for the music industry. and It was in 2000, and I was... Much younger, <laughs> and, uh, and there was terrible pr- um, piracy going on, and the entire music industry was just like, just make it illegal to use them. Tell them they can't use it. Arrest people at the border for you know for well, having it on I mean, a CD. It, yeah, you know. Awesome. And and us younger kids were like, what are you talking about? This is what this is technology. It's arrived. People want to use it. Don't tell them they can't use it because, quite frankly, we will. You know, we're in our 20s. We're like, don't tell us we can't use it. But how do we help them use it smartly? And then along came iTunes. The record companies crumbled. And, you know, you don't hear about Universal Records or Polygram or Polydor anymore. They're gone. (laughs) But what happened was we ended up with iTunes and um, Spotify and wonderful things that people embraced. And and the same with the um, MPEGs for the film industry. So, right, seven years later, same problem. Tell them they can't use it. Tell them they can't do it. Netflix comes. And here we are with NFTs, and I see it. It's a new file format with smart contracts. And what does that mean? You know, Currently, in a licensing scenario, if you're an artist, or actually you can use this for anything. I've seen it being used for like supply chains and distribution for, for shipping. But if you are someone who, who has a copyright of something, you've created something, currently all you can do is hire a lawyer and you have a licensing deal and it's contracted and it costs you thousands of dollars and it's done business to business and that's how licensing is done. But what NFTs do is they allow a business to license to a direct consumer their thing and they can travel with them and that, that owner can continue to make money off of it as a license. Uh, or as a general consumer, I can make something and I can license it to you, Paul, and forever I will earn royalties upon that for my life. And so when you understand what it is, it's a no-brainer that Keanu's involved. He's like, well, artists are suffering right now and they can't track their digital media and they can't continue to earn yet. They made it, they created it. you know. So, so I think it's wonderful. NFTs are here to stay and if you don't understand that, you're kind of... You're just gonna be behind. So
1: it's an interesting field because I think yeah, you know, technologies come along and we probably each make our choice around, well, what's gonna happen with this mm. thing? Is it you know, how's it gonna play out? And all sorts of factors, you know, some will go, ah, oh, I'm gonna you know, stand back on this mm. or look, I can I can see that because it relates to me. Yeah, you know, I've been a friend in, in the US who Yeah, you know, he, he had some yeah you know, quite notable success in, in, in music some years ago. And he has seen an opportunity where you know NFT type technology could be applied to sort of bring that next wave of innovation. Mm. So we we look at say Spotify today, mm-hmm. and then you look at what a musician earns when their music uh, is you know they're basically they're making their money off their music from Spotify plays and and so on, and it's at such a you know, minuscule amount and so, you know, there's a bunch of new ideas coming and I think once, once people can see how those, yeah, how the technology might relate to them, mm-hmm. that, that's that's when they flip and it was interesting with now, I saw this video interview with him, it was like, I don't know, six months ago whenever the new Matrix movie was, um, you know, about to come out and, uh there must have been some NFTs getting made in relation to the movie and he got asked about it and it was just a bit of laughter and, you know, <laughs> that was it, I Like, think. what is that
0: crazy thing? Yeah. yeah.
1: But then, you know, once you see how this can apply, that's, you know, I think that's that's where it changed. Now, I always encourage people to look at the new technologies and the best way to look is to actually experience them you don't have, it doesn't mean you have to drop in a whole lot of money but if you can try out the technology um, then that will that's part of that helping you understand it and how it might relate to you or or your world um, so i think you know that's that's an important part in the process i do think with with nfts that we you know we still have a range of challenges around uh crypto NFTs with, you know, there's a a lot of cybersecurity type scenarios and and challenges Mm -hmm. and the idea of sort of, you know, being your own bank, as we're told, is sort of you know what it what it's like when you you know you're dealing with crypto. Well, hey, my bank actually takes care of some security and things that I I don't have to think about. And so there you know there's some maturing to to go on, but that's that's part of the journey. And the more of these sorts of things that we delve into and have a look at, oh yeah, that's a good use case. And those things uh, you know come together, the the more we can see the dots joining up but there are you know some things like i said blockchain the you know flags been waved oh blockchain's going to solve all these issues and mm. and some of those things are like well actually the particular thing you're trying to do the don't need a blockchain database that's uh, you know you it's like you're trying to coat your idea in, uh, in the latest and, and greatest thing to, 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 make it, uh, to make it look like the coolest latest thing, right? And we'd see that sort of stuff happen time and time again too, don't we?
0: Yeah, you do. And, you know, just like with the first iteration of the website, there were poor use cases, bad players, bad security. But then we got Amazon out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, technology are tools, it's the human beings who put in the use cases and how we apply and and how we um, come up with our ideas and um, learn from the past. And if you kind of just open your mind to that, you're like, okay, so there's a new file format with smart contracts. Oh my God, what could I do with that? Because if you start thinking about, so what requires a contract? Everything. (laughs) And and um, it's mind blowing when you start thinking of it like that. You can apply it to any industry. Yeah,
1: I think there's there's a a whole lot of opportunities ahead, and what's exciting is that you know we've got a lot of activity happening here in New Zealand that sees us in in a very yeah. you know totally very strong position, mm-hmm. and you know generated a a lot. You know, you look at it from a export revenue perspective and so on. We've done. Uh, we um, are world
0: leaders. You know, those very, guys very, down very, at very, centrality very very mm-hmm. well,
1: and <laughs> uh, uh, you know I don't see that sort of stopping. Uh, any anytime soon I think there's a there's definitely the uh, what are they calling it the crypto winter there's some uh, there's um, some interesting times going on as far as crypto currencies are concerned but I you know I don't think that impacts or cancels the the long-term opportunities mm. that uh, uh, that we see with with nfts mm. So uh.
0: interesting space
1: um now a few other topics we wanted to uh, cover before we um, delve in a little bit more into what's happening in in your world um just a few little news bits and pieces saw that Polestar, who i see sort of Polestar as as maybe not sitting in quite the same place as tesla from how they are able to control their product but they're a you know, effectively a, a new car brand. They're iterating with a range of vehicles, but the Polestar 2 is what's available uh, in New Zealand currently. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed driving the vehicle. I like the fact that it's it's got a, what do they call it, Android automotive operating system. So you've got this whole thing that's got, you know, speech recognition from a company that's actually pretty good at that. Pretty good at that stuff because that bad. can vary, <laughs> vary a lot. in, in the vehicles.
0: They, they are the best.
1: You've got that that aspect that an application developed for Android, which is if an, if there's going to be a an application for something, it's usually going to be on iOS in Android, and Android. It can be usually reasonably quickly reshaped and then able to be published for use in that Android or Droid automotive experience. So, for instance, my favorite podcast app called Pocket Casts that's available in in the Play Store for uh, Android Automotive. Now, at the moment, you know, the last time I looked, it was a pretty small catalog, but the new thing is Apple CarPlay coming out through an over-the-air software update to run in those in those vehicles. Now, I'm used to that having a tester all the time. We have always got new things, Netflix and games and all manner of things, but to see more and more automakers start to do updates that aren't just, oh, yeah, when you go into your Mercedes dealer or whatever and they've got a CD and they're going to load in the the 2022 (laughs) version of your maps or something, right? Like this is what we're kind of used to (laughs) with with cars. It's been absolutely shocking. So seeing the actual over-the-air updates happen and bring significant improvement or change to, to a vehicle is like, yes, where the industry is definitely starting to speed up and become adopting the things that we expect from software firms and, and tech startups, which I think is really exciting.
0: Yeah. start. I mean, starting to use the cloud, right? For the good of the consumer, yeah. So that which is great. And, and the good of the planet too, right? Maybe they're all starting to learn that we don't want to throw things away. We would like it to be upgraded, Do I have to like put it into the junkyard or or can I just upgrade my car and can you make it last longer so that it does survive and all those things that I think a lot of people are attracted to Tesla for, you know, it's like, oh my God, my car keeps updating itself. How fabulous. And now others are learning that this is a really great feature and um, long may it continue.
1: Yeah, it's an industry that hasn't geared very well in that way, and it is taking time to change. But it's changing, so that's good. And if you've got a Polestar two, then um, and you've got a an iPhone, you'll be uh, you'll be feeling it probably a lot a lot happier. Now we we talked about this before we started the um, Google engineer who uh, decided to uh, interact with their artificial intelligent uh, chatbot. This Lambda. Uh, tech as they they call it and started believing that it had become uh, sentient yeah um, this is is quite a an it's interesting a scenario like I mean, if this can if this can happen once in a lab we've you know for years we've sort of talked about technology that can convince you that it's that it's human but for an actual engineer to think that this AI you know,
0: yeah, I, maybe it's called burnout. Like <laughs> this is kind of where I am, having worked at Soul Machines where we're developing these artificial humans yeah, um, yeah. with dialogue flow and Watson. You know, we use d- different systems um, yeah. in the back end, and and I play around a lot with GPT three, yeah, and that's yeah, that, cool. that's fabulous. But you have to build in that soul to it. It's not there yet. Like we're. I would say decades away from having I I would have thought an engineer coming out and saying, Oh my god, it's alive, it has feelings and emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. Other than I, I worry about him, that's all I can yeah. <laughs> perhaps yeah. offer to that.
1: There, yeah, <laughs> there may be some interesting lessons in there that I don't know, psychologists and others will be studying for the future and uh yeah, how do how do we prepare people to be able to handle these interactions and re- oh
0: yeah there's huge this, ethical considerations yeah. for us and yeah. and wherever I mean he could turn around and prove us all wrong in a couple of years time and go I told you so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but I don't believe from what I've experienced that we're there yet
1: yeah. we're not at uh, the point of terminator yeah. and uh,
0: yeah consciousness I wouldn't say so okay that's, that's
1: good <laughs> The other topic that uh, caught my attention was news about scientists developing what was being referred to as a living human skin mm. for robotic uh, fingers.
0: Mm. So, That's I mean, they're saying that it's waterproof and it can self-heal, which is pretty amazing, um, but it doesn't have, like, wrinkles and textures. I mean, the first thing I would want to ask those people who are behind this and spending all that money is I don't understand the mission why like Mm -hmm. is it that they want to make robots look like humans therefore should we be asking ourselves why and what's the problem you're trying to solve and is that ethical to make a robot look like a human like we should be very clear as to what's a human what's not as we develop this technology but they might go, oh, no, 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 no. No, this is, uh, we're doing, building this technology for burns units and skin grafting. And I'll go, oh, okay. Mm, mm, mm. Problem. Awesome. I love mm. it. But other than that, I do question the mission and the purpose of this. And when we've got so many other more problems to solve, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what this what one is. <laughs>
1: mm. Well, yeah, and uh, and yeah, I'm not not quite sure where they're you know where they're expecting to use this uh, this technology, but I do. I mean, definitely the idea that we we make robots that can you know work with moisture and water and so on. Um, so that waterproof element is something that's uh, that's you know I'm I'm sure important. We get used to it very quickly when. Tech become you know suddenly becomes a lot more useful because it can cope with these environments like our phones. It's kind of hard to recall how you know, and it's probably only been five to seven years since the first sort of you know um, mainstream uh, you know, phones were, were waterproof. But now that's just it's kind of just the norm. Well, semi waterproof. Yeah. There's, there's, and if they if they paint the robot so on.
0: gold. <laughs> Don't know where they might get that idea from, but maybe they might paint the robot gold and then we're very clear it's not a human and it is a robot and that could be okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough, so, yeah. I mean, these things are are important that we we get it right. Mm. Um, The the last bit of news that caught my attention was around technology to create, well, not so much the technology, sort of how it's being used, but digital twins of humans. Mm -hmm. And you had some some pretty interesting uh, thoughts on this. And you were saying that this has already been done here in New Zealand, mm-hmm. Auckland University. In this particular s- story, that was I think in New Scientist and a couple of uh, health uh, public publications. Uh, they were were highlighting using a digital twin to help. In this case, address type two diabetes, mm. but this idea that you could actually try out different treatments on a on a digital twin, a mm. kind of a, a digital version of a human, yeah. to to test out what might happen with different treatments, that seems to hold a lot of promise. If you can create a digital twin that responds in a in a accurate manner, I suppose, mm. which is probably the big challenge, I would think.
0: Yeah. And, and this was probably more to my point about the problems right like we have some big problems to solve and and this is an exceptional application of applying you know our minds and brains and technology to some great problems uh, I, I have heard of the uh, I think it's the bioengineering department at Auckland University they've got several digital twins now I believe they're trying to solve some big problems to do with lung cancer and I can't remember the other ones, but digital twin usage is, is very common in the last sort of six or seven years. It's kind of starting to evolve. So to have these results of it uh, solving type 2 diabetes, I think, with some yeah, machine was, learning. Um,
1: bringing a, uh, the highest reported rate of remission, um, go, remission. Of, of type 2, two diabetes to, um, to, to date. And yeah, look, if you can, use artificial intelligence and a digital twin to to test this stuff out rather than actually having to wait days months mm. years decades sometimes right to get those real world you know results of of testing mm. on people At whatever level of of possibility that is mm. that sounds like it's it's pretty exciting
0: it's a perfect use case of machine learning right so human beings can only computate so much data at a time. And we have a lot of data on human beings. Like if you think about all the samples and testing and everything that we have from all the laboratory laboratory work that we do on our bodies, but where does that data sit? And that's kind of become the problem of sort of our last generation of computers. We built all these computers, we did testing, we've got data, we've got all this data sitting there in these big pools of it. And this is where AI comes in and or should come in. It's like, how do we then compute that data to make sense of that data and learn from that data in ways that we can actually solve problems at scale and at speed? And so this is a perfect use case of it. I, I do know that they're kind of at the I think thousands of data points, and they kind of need to get to those billions or trillions probably to solve human anatomy problems because our bodies are so complex and there's so many anomalies um, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. solve. Like every human is so different, but it's it's a really encouraging, and I think it's a wonderful use case.
1: Yeah, and look, I th- I think the the machine learning opportunity as you know, there's more wearables and other things mm. that can that can collect data. I mean we're still not in a position, you know, where your general practitioner is getting hold of you or your device and so on and it's saying, hey, you it appears based on the the data, you need to eat more veggies. Go for a run more. I mean, we could probably say all of those things for most of us, but accurately kind of drawing on big pools of data Mm. and and using the wearables and machine learning to, to come to conclusions. And I see, you know, from one perspective, it's, well, you know, who wants to participate in that? But there's probably enough people with wearable devices that would be happy for anonymous data collection and... You know, I guess you've got to kind of link that up, maybe with your actual medical records. But if you linked up, you know, the data that's coming from a few mainstream wearables, mm. probably notably what what Google and Apple have between you know Fitbit and and Apple, what huge amount of data. And if you could then line that up with, you know, what people are getting diagnosed with, and then you could probably predict a whole. You know, a so ton of stuff, but we're yeah. kind of, we're, we're not there. And I guess there's there's some reasoning for that. But I think the earlier, you know, the earlier you, you catch this thing, and that's what you know, generally the health sector seems to be wanting to do, is to move to a position where we away from the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff to actually let's prevent... Bad things from from happening, and let's pick up those signals early and and Mm. address them. But yeah, it seems like we've actually got the technology building blocks to to do most of this, but it's not really happening yet, right? Um,
0: Well, I mean, these are just like the first pilot use cases, right? Like, how do we then take all the, you know, get more data into your, you know, we've got all these wearables. I know um, a New Zealand tech company, Elementary, who have a device that goes over the abdomen. You know, your internal uh, digestive system is a hugely complex beast and, and they're trying to diagnose you from externally. And, and, for, and I was a um, chronic patient. I had a chronic disease um, from my um, digestive system. And I had to, in the end have about four operations over a year. I was chronically ill, almost died and they had to do surgery on me, right, Um, whereas you put this device over you and you can actually diagnose someone from the outside. I think where they're trying to take this and the vision is one day is that there'll be a Paul Spain digital twin, there'll be a Shona Grundy one, I have my digital twin, instead of this data sitting as written text on your doctors, they can pull up your digital twin. You've been contributing data to it from all sorts of, you know, here's my blood test, it's in my digital yeah, twin. Yeah. Here's, here's my Fitbit, it's on my digital twin. My doctor doesn't have to kind of ask you questions about how many units of alcohol you had this week. It's like, <laughs> it's pretty clear actually. <laughs> um, but that's where we see we're going and we have to start somewhere. And I think, yeah, this is a great start and, and it'd be fabulous if, if the government's invested more money in this area.
1: Yeah. Mm. I guess there, there could be a bit of manipulation to some some of this data. It's measuring <laughs> certain things. Oh, I left my watch at home uh, last night. And, <laughs> yeah, that it wasn't could pose measuring it. idea. of insurance I was out things. And, yeah, and, oh yeah, yeah you're uh, like,
0: oh, I didn't. I don't smoke cigarettes at all. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you can't lie in your insurance form. Mm.
1: Yes. Oh well, we definitely have some yeah some exciting times ahead. But there's going to need to be the right sort of, you know, ethical considerations and, and at times sort of, you know, legislation to help us um, steer through these. Now, want to hear more about what, what you're involved in. Yeah. Um, tell us a, a, a little bit about the businesses that you're you're involved in now. So Execule and Wineley. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Winely's had a, you know, it's a bit of a, bit of a tension. Mm. Um, not as much for Execule. So mm. Mm. maybe you can sort of, you know, share share a little bit about what's what's going on there.
0: Yeah, so ExaCool is actually the parent company of Winely. Yep. And how that came about was, I've been spe- I'd uh, been working as an advisor to the founders Jake and Abby for about six months, and really inspired by them as entrepreneurs and visionaries and just super smart people and very low egos. They just want to win and they just want to get their vision done and they'll do it any way they can and listen to people. And it was part, I really loved the Winely product as we refer to it now. And I understood the problem space are solving. And I know that when we first started out on technology, it was like, how many problems can we solve at once? You know, and, and That didn't work, and so we learned in technology that you must find your niche, and you must find the problem you're solving and know exactly who you're solving it for and why. So when they were very clear about Winely and what it did, I was like, fabulous, I I love it, how can I help? And then as we got further into it, it it took me several months, I think, um, for Jake to be very clear on his mission And it just blew my mind how big it was and audacious and awesome. And I was like, how did we get so long to this point for me to understand where you're taking us? And he was like, oh, yeah, sometimes maybe I don't explain myself fully, but I know where I'm going. So this is why we set up Exacool, to stop the confusion. So uh, we're a biotechnology company, and our mission is to – Address food security globally, and to address uh, responsible production and responsible consumption—it's two of the big United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And you're like, okay, wow, that's really different to Winley. What the what on well, earth those, are you saying to me? And maybe for those who don't
1: <laughs> who don't really know t- about Wineley, mm. you want to sort of just roll back and. And explain Winely.
0: Yeah, so Winely uh, addressed a big problem point for the winemaker. So lots of technology is going into the orchards and into the fields. We've got drones, we've got soil um, testing going on, awesome stuff. Hugely competitive market. What Jake and Abby saw, they wanted to get into fermentation, and we can talk about why. They looked at the winemaker and started just talking to them and they they interviewed over 300 winemakers to get to their problem space. They're amazing researchers and so uh, it is the fermentation process. Grapes come in, juice, they go in these massive 90,000 litre um, tanks and we call them bioreactors. There's yeast put in, you know, there's a chemical reaction. I'm learning all this in the last sort of 12 months now and basically we learn it's a hugely volatile environment uh, so much can go wrong in a very short amount of time and tens of thousands of dollars can be lost or to save the wine they're throwing in additives you know um, they're also having to go up on these really high catwalks it's very dangerous some people have died doing all their sampling and their problem was... the other
1: reasons for dying sampling line, oh, no. but uh, just, you know, trying that out, especially, you know, and I have been in, been in some of those environments.
0: Uh, so, so basically they've got these... Uh, it runs over the fermenters like seven days and it is going wild and crazy and they work like demons, 24 hours, they're sampling, but all they can sample is probably twice a day because that's all the staff they have for, because they've got hundreds if not thousands of these tanks going at a time. I had no idea how big this industry was, it is massive. Uh, One customer alone has 62,000 tanks. Uh, So anyway, they're trying to sample and uh, get the data and trying to catch it before the ferment goes bad. So what, what we have done is created these IoT sensors in hardware that go in each tank, so instead of the samples going off to the lab and coming back and making a decision on it twice a day, ours just sits there and it samples it every minute and um, we send the data back as packages every 15 minutes. So you've got it on a dashboard and you can watch all your thousands of tanks on your computer or on your phone and we're just sending data back to the winemaker to to help them with their um, very fast volatile fermentation process. So we're actually um, gathering billions we could be close to trillions of data points now, which is huge for machine learning. It's one of the most important factors. Mm.
1: What is the, What does the customer base uh, look like for, for Winely? Because mm. it's not just New Zealand market, right?
0: No, so actually this was our first commercial. We call it a vintage. So in agriculture technology, you go with the seasons, clearly. Uh, and so in the Southern Hemisphere, we have a vintage season, which is usually around our summer, February, March. Uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's August, September, October. Uh, so we get two shots at it a year. And so this was our first uh, commercial year and we had customers in Australia and New Zealand uh, doing pilots with us, which were, it was just an awesome experience. We've already iterated the product, getting it ready to go into California and we've just made a decision that we're also going into France this year. We, we saw a great opportunity to go in, Um, we have some great potential customers and we've got a fantastic head of customer success that grew up on a vineyard in France, You know, native, he knows the region and we went, took a deep breath as a New Zealand company, we just went, we're going in. So it's really exciting, so we're about to go in in August, yeah.
1: That's great. Mm. Right, sorry, back back onto (laughs) uh, Exical.
0: Backing up to the big mission, there's a big problem in the world. And we love addressing problems in technology, or you should love addressing problems. When we talk about food sustainability and how we use this planet, there is a problem with the way we basically rape, pillage and harvest our land. And it's not sustainable. And it's known that it's not sustainable. We have 7 billion people on the planet so far. And if you look at Even just how we farm livestock on the planet. Uh, Livestock take up 28% of the Earth's surface. That's livestock farming to feed humans. That's a mind-blowing figure. That's a mind-blowing figure. Mind-blowing.
1: Wow.
0: I'm not coming at this from a radical vegan perspective. You know, I eat meat, I have a lifestyle block, I farm my own sheep, cows. Uh, It is more about how do we actually sustainably live on this earth and make it work for us as humans. So you've got 28% of the, the earth being farmed for livestock and it's delivering 1% of human consumption of protein. And so that doesn't work, right? You know, when you break down all our food groups, there's only three things we consume. So it's um, fats, carbohydrates and protein. That's what we eat and that's how we survive. A major part is protein. We need our protein as humans. So how do we get that protein? If already we're farming 28% but only managed to deliver 1%, we're getting it from other areas of product that comes out of the earth and that's how we're managing to do it. But by 2050, we're going to be at 10 billion people. How are we going to do this? You know, How do we actually feed... Ourselves, and so this whole new industry is emerging, and it is called alternative protein, and it's about cultured meat, like it's it's meat from cells, and it's not just like oh, it's a nut, yeah, made into cheese that doesn't stretch <laughs> or cheese
1: made it. into chicken, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and so on. which which is pretty innovative. It's pretty cool, south
0: anyway. I, yeah. I do like yeah. it, but it's like, how do we do this at scale? At the moment, um, we've got all these amazing companies. They're doing. Um, there's one called Eden Brews out of Australia. Uh, they're doing cowless milk. What did they call it? They had a great name for it anyway. But it's it's not just like um, nut milk. It is you know how does it feel in your mouth and how do you cook with it and all that kind of thing. Anyway, they're in R and D facilities, as are many other companies, they're, they're trying to make this at scale because currently they're in maybe 10,000 litre vats and it's working and it's going great. But then how do you move that into 100,000 litre vats and more and plenty of them and it's fermentation and they all use fermentation to deliver these alternative proteins. So think about meatless meat, woodless wood, cowless milk uh, vaccines are made this way, pharmaceuticals are made this way, all through bioreactors, react- which are large tanks, and through the fermentation process. So we look at it as we're an infrastructure play. So we're there to um, be the data intelligence for precision fermentation to enable them to control their fermentation. And that's always been Jake's big vision. That's what he wanted to do. But he understood that if we went side by side with these alternative protein companies, we could only go as fast as each other. And currently they're in the R&D phase and they don't think that they'll be at the commercial phase where instead of a portion of protein costing $10,000, we need to get it to a portion of protein costing $2.50 for the consumer. How do we get it there? Well, it's not by working side by side with them because machine learning requires a lot of data. So that was where the penny dropped for them. They were like, the wine industry, the oldest fermentation process in the world, hugely complex with massive problems of their own. So it's not like, oh, we'll just use them to get their data. It's like, let's solve this for them. And if we can solve it for them, we can supercharge that industry over there and actually give them like a, speed on-ramp and maybe reduce the time to mass manufacturing of these alternative proteins by 10-20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us that's really exciting and for me that's my big why as to why I'm with the company. I want to know that potentially I've added something to the world. With my work,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I realise we're we're running out of time, so we may <laughs> we may have to find another episode to uh, to delve in and chat to you about some other <laughs> um, other topics. <clears throat> what's happening with the NZ High Tech Awards, and um, you know your your um, role there, judging in the um, most innovative software category, which uh, Duncan Cotterell sponsor. And you're also involved in, a, in an NFT uh, startup as well. so
0: A side hustle is yeah, what I call a, it. <laughs>
1: what, what What is that um, entity?
0: It's actually, again, about how I feel about this new technology. And I got really interested in, in it because I started painting. And I, I taught myself how to watercolour paint, I think, last year. And I was really getting into it. And people were like, you should put it up as an NFT. And I was like, what are you talking about you know so so it was actually just through my curiosity and i was looking at nfts confused like everybody currently is and just going what what is the point of this and and what do people do with it and all these questions and when i started learning and understanding what it was it was just more it it became my interest of like i actually know how to i know how to make this work and so uh i'm uh just working on a a side hustle with some other engineers um, to build. Again, I always believe in, like, the infrastructure play. How do we build the tools to bring this technology to mass consumers? Uh, so that's kind of what we're working on at the moment, and it's and it's super fun, and it's... Uh, I just really enjoy the creative process and, and I live to work and I say to people <laughs> I'm never going to retire because I'm having too much fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. We'll look forward to, uh, yeah, maybe delving, delving into that in future. Big thank you for coming on the show. Now, where do people uh, track you down? Is it LinkedIn or what's, what's the best way to, uh, to connect?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm mostly active on LinkedIn that's that's yeah. my platform I enjoy place, yeah. yeah I I do enjoy it I am on Instagram but not really so
1: yep yeah. yep yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and look big thank you to our uh, our show partners uh two degrees Vodafone spark HP gorilla technology cyclone and Aruba for their support uh, of the New Zealand tech Pad podcast and and also you know New Zealand's broader tech and innovation communities. So thanks to them. And thank you, Shona Grundy, for, uh, for joining New Zealand Tech Podcast today.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That was really fun. Yeah, it was yeah. great. <laughs> it was great.
1: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.